I scream, you scream, we all scream for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser. everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And fans similar to you. It's the light of my life, Tom. Is it? It's the Aww. light of my life. It is. It is fun. It is fun. Do. We have fun. I love the community. You guys are so awesome. Aw, just feel the love today. I just... Man, I've done a lot of things in my life and in my career, but Sword and Laser is like the constant. It's like the, and you, Tom, in a way too, you're like, you're just like a solid rock of thereness. That You've sounds seen... more boring than it actually is. <laughs> it sounds very Highlander. <laughs> Why? You know, the barren rocks of the Highlands. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that brings us to our, what are we drinking? Tom, what are you yes. drinking? Well- um, my wife started watching Outlander. Just for the first time? Uh, yeah, for the first time within the last month. Okay. So she's and like really I binging. Totally got swept up in it. So now I am watching Outlander. <laughs> um, and I'm very excited to watch each new episode as it appears. So I'm drinking the Dalmore, a Highland whiskey, uh, from just up the road from Inverness. Very near where Kragnadun would be. Kragnadun. We're, we're a real place. Um, but Inverness is a real place, and it's mm-hmm. it's very near to that. Also, the Dalmore uh, was owned by the Mackenzies. Really? For many a year. Yeah. So this is this this is a scotch that is directly related to Outlander. I'm Clan McKinley. McKinley. You, I don't... you are Clan McKinley? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, wait, I was about to say I have to hate you because I have Irish in me. Well, I also have, I'm half Irish. Uh, well, that's yeah. exactly, I started, and then I realized that. I'm like, you must just be at war with yourself all the time. Yeah. Although yeah. I have English in me, so that's a war with my We're Irish We're Feelys and McKinleys. Yeah. And then, yeah, and the McKinleys. But you know, you, do you get the Clan McKenzie reference? Because I know you're... You're watching Outlander, I, but you're I, not. No, I'm only, I only watched the first season. I read the f- yeah, yeah. first so book and met, watched the first season. So I've met all met these people. You've met Dougal McKenzie. Yes. That's, he's yes. so, Dougal. and and, uh, and Jamie is part of Clan McKenzie as well, even That's though right. he's a different I, You name. know, honestly, I forgot all of their last names. I'm sorry. I can't remember. Jamie Fraser. Fraser. Fraser, yeah. Fraser. 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 I enjoyed yeah. the book. Anyway, that's a topic for a different day, I guess. But um, I have to what catch up on the show. Oh, just a just a rosé I pulled out of the fridge. I've been doing this thing where I go to Whole Foods when I go grocery shopping every Sunday. And I'm like, what's the $12 bottle of rosé with a screw top I'm going to take home with me this week? Hmm. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't catch their names. We see when we were young, when we mm-hmm. were in our, tw- our teens and 20s, that's what we do at bars with... with- <laughs> Beautiful people. You're just looking for the screw tops. And then when you get in your 30s <laughs> and your 40s, you do it with bottles of wine at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You're like, who's oh, who's the mind. $12 screw? <laughs> yeah, who's the $12 screw? <laughs> top. 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 Screw top. 
Um, so you don't know what I don't of, know its name. I'm sorry. You tossed I, the bottle out the front door in a drunken rage. I'm I'm certainly not drunk, but I I just I threw it in the recycling bin because I'm a responsible uh, sorter of garbage person. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, you know, compost, recycling, trash. We don't do compost. What? In LA. What? We have yard clippings, but there's no compost. There's no compost? Collection. I mean, you could, obviously, you can I've lived can in compost, San Francisco but. for so long that when I go to a place that doesn't sort into the three bins, I get like really confused about what well, I'm supposed have, to do we, with no, things. We have the three bins. We have the recycling, the trash, and the yard yard waste. But there's there in San Francisco, there was also compost. What if you pretend that you grow everything in your yard? And then and it's so, all yard waste. And it's all just yard waste. Yeah. I don't know if that I don't know if that's okay. Because in San Rafael in Marin County, they had a separate thing for compost. That you you had a little tiny green bin for your compost. Yeah, for yard clippings, they get you just get the big plastic yeah. the big paper bags and right. you stuff everything in there. That's what mm. I see my neighbors do. I don't have a yard. I'm trying to remember when I lived actually in San Francisco. I think we had I think we had a compost, little green compost thing too. I just have one tree. Its name is Luke Cageput. Luke Cage put? Yeah, it's a cage put. Yeah, His name like is it. Luke. Luke Cage Very put. strong too, I would imagine. I'm hope I'm hoping it grows strong. Yeah. 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 With yeah, a name like that. I'm trying to like encourage it. I'm like, you gotta be like Luke Cage. You gotta be like indestructible. Has it been thrown in prison? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. It hasn't gone through any tr- major trials and tribulations other than constant dog pee. Is it bulletproof? Have you tried? Haven't Should tried. You? Haven't okay. tried. All right. Anyway. That was fun. Uh, Let's jump into the quick burns. Let's do. Neil Gaiman posted a picture from the TV adaptation of his and Terry Pratchett's Good Omens, The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which, thank you TRP for noting this on the quick burns thread. Uh, It features David Tennant and Michael Sheen as Crowley, the demon, David Tennant, Mm -hmm. and Aziraphale, the angel, Michael Sheen. Uh, David Tennant, according to TRP, seems to be channeling Bill Nye, not the science guy, but the other Bill Nye, mm-hmm. uh, aging rock star character from the movie Still Crazy. Also aging rock star character from Love Actually. But I can mm-hmm. see he mm-hmm. definitely feels like that was that popped into my mind, too. David Tennant looks so serious. And like I, I this photo makes me so excited, like really excited for this adaptation. Yeah. Oh, and and this is how good these both these actors are. This is a still image and I get their characters. Like just the body language and the way they're holding their heads. And- I know. But you know what? I have to say though, Michael Sheen always just just kind of playing Michael Sheen. Like he always just kind of has that sort face of. to him. Yeah, I always see Tony Blair. Well, I mean, it, that is, was the it first is his face, I- but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't I can't judge him on that too much. No, but but okay, I agree with you on his face here. But look at the way he's holding his his hands. It's very Aziraphale, like very proper. I just feel like it, he always plays that kind of like proper British character, and that kind of mm-hmm. looks like that. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I feel I'm I'm feeling he's a good he's character. Like a, he's though. like a proper man's Tom Hiddleston. Sure, you <laughs> he would have been good in this too. I could see him as a Crowley. As a Crowley, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, Michael Sheen and 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 Tom Hiddleston in the movie together would have been confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they look alike? I think they resemble each other. No. I don't know that I would say they look alike, but there are certain features that are similar between them. I guess I don't know. I okay. Let's move on. Listen, Tom David, Hiddleston's not my type, so maybe that's why I'm confusing. He's my type. I was picking up what you're throwing out yeah. there. 
David says, George R. R. Martin is uh, wins. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Silvana says, I'll let you have the other one. Silvana says, just wait for the Expanse Origins graphic novel published next year. And then Tassie Dave says, four of the five issues from the Expanse Origins graphic novel are available now. Holden's, Naomi's, Alex's, and Amos's origin stories. Only Detective Miller's story is new for the book release in February 2018. So I now have a conundrum because of this. Why? Should I go read, I mean, especially Holden's origin story? Oh my God. Oh, I, I think Naomi's, Naomi's origin story, well, I think, is being I'll, alluded to so much in the show. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And we kind of know parts of it. So, what part is going to be filled in? Not to mention Alex and Amos. Should I read those now or should I wait until the graphic novel so that I can enjoy them all together? Well, I enjoy comicsology on my phone. Not to mention one is more expensive than the other. Mm. Would I enjoy it on my phone? I don't use an iPad anymore. I kept an iPad for comicsology around for a while and then I just stopped using an iPad. So should I? I actually read comicsology on my Pixel C. How big is that? An Android tablet. It's like ten inches. Oh, okay. It's like a normal iPad size. Can I read it on? Can I read them on my computer? You you can read them on your computer. You can read them on your phone. And they're just going to be bad. tiny. Yeah. Well, they're not not as tiny as they were on the old iPhones. I mean, mm-hmm. you, do, do you have the Plus or the regular? Regular. Yeah, it'd still be fine. the The thing of the beauty of guided view is that mm, you just you mm-hmm. get it. You know, That's each right. frame is pretty big. My only problem is when you, when I'm reading a comic on my phone, I have to keep tilting it. Oh, because it won't fill the screen. You know, if it's mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. if it's a rectangle, I'm like, oh, I'll turn it on the side. Then it fills the screen and the next one's oblong. Then I have to tilt the screen back. You're oblong. Your mom's oblong. <laughs> your mom's, your mom's face is oblong. oblong. She's a very nice woman. You, yeah. No, your your mom is perfectly normally par- <laughs> proportioned. <laughs> proportioned. <laughs> Thank you. Not oblong at all. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's a matter of, am I going to spend $8 now and then another $10 when the graphic novel comes out <laughs> or just $10 when the graphic novel? Or do I want to not spoil anything for what's going to be revealed on the show because I love the show so much and I haven't read the other books? Mm, yeah. No, so you point. can say from having read all the books, we don't get these origin stories in the books at all, right? Well, Naomi, you get lots, Okay. but not all. There's still questions. Holden, you get almost nothing. Amos has had some flashbacks or or reminiscing, uh, but it's pretty spotty. Mm-hmm. And Alex, you know, there was the book where they all kind of went their separate ways. We kind of got origin stories on all of them a bit there, but they're all pretty spotty except for Naomi's. Okay. Um, She's the one I'm kind of most interested in, her and, yeah. her and Amos's. Amos's has to do with like Baltimore, I think, if hmm. I'm getting, remembering the city right. Um, Alex's has to do with his wife and why they split up. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, I don't know what these, these issues touch on. They may touch on something totally new and surprising, but that's from the books. That's what they, they touch on. Cool. David wrote, uh, George R. R. Martin was one of the inaugural past words awards winners from the historical writers of America. Uh, And he's got a quote here from the post. The historical writers of America will recognize seven artists whose work illuminates the past. The awardees include novelist Larry McMurtry for the Old West, Larry's son, songwriter James McMurtry, fantasy writer George R. R. Martin, nonfiction author Hampton Sides, U.S. Congressman John Lewis, writer Andrew Aiden, and illustrator Nate Powell, the creative team behind the three-volume graphic novel March. 
Awesome. Congratulations, George R. R. Martin. Okay. And all the others. What? Um, maybe this is just for written. I don't know if I, I haven't read that far into it. Wouldn't Lin-Manuel Miranda belong in this list somewhere? Why would he? For Wait. illuminating the past oh. with Hamilton? Maybe he won a different year? Oh, inaugural. Mm. Yeah. I that mean, this is writers. First. This is writers of America. So maybe they're right. like, that's that's Broadway. We know you write the script, but that's Yeah, different. but songwriter. I know. That's what it, made me think of it. Yeah. I, I feel you. Maybe he'll win the second one. Maybe he'll win yeah, another one. Yeah. Not, and not taken away from any of the winners here either. Um, I think it's really interesting that George R. R. Martin wins for illuminating. <laughs> think, wait, yeah, what? Is it, is it for? I mean, he's, I mean written other, he did, he's written other things. But, but how yeah. would a science writer, I mean, a science fiction or fantasy writer even win something that was supposed to be illuminating the historical fa- past? Yeah. His That's work confusing. has elements of history, fantasy, political okay. intrigue. Yeah. So maybe getting people interested in like the war of the roses for sure. I mean, I've read more about the war of the roses because of him. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Mark says, okay, sword and laserites. Let's go out there and be nice. Apparently we are nicer than TV watchers. This comes from a study that says that people who watch TV um, are not quite as empathetic, um, but reading people who read, especially people who read comedy, are much more empathetic and tend to be nicer than people who prefer to watch television. And also readers are more likely to act in socially acceptable manners. Hmm. Interesting. I have seen some people who prove this wrong in some bookstores, having worked in a bookstore. <laughs> yes. So there's always exceptions to every rule. But I can see why this might hold true. To read a book, you have to do more work to understand the characters. And in fact, sometimes when I disagree with someone about a story, mm-hmm. in part it's because I filled in the gaps and the and the criticism from the other person is like, they didn't do enough to make me care about this or that character. And I always feel like, well, but but I cared anyway. Like I, I made myself care. So I think because you have to do a little more work when you read, that could explain it. Because in television, the emotional impact is easier to get because you see their reactions, you hear them speak. It's just, it just takes a little of the burden off of you. Yes, researchers said uh, exposure to fiction relates to a range of empathetic abilities. Engaging with fictional prose and, and comedy in particular could be key to enhancing people's empathetic abilities as well. That yeah. being said, the authors were keen to highlight that the study did not prove cause and effect, right. as it could it just correlated. be that more thoughtful people are more likely to prefer reading. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's a really good point. It's not like if you're like, wow, I'm a really mean person. I'm going to go read a bunch of books. Uh, <laughs> that might not, might not work, might not make you any nicer. Uh, and vice versa. If you stop reading and start watching TV, it won't necessarily make you meaner. And they don't really say what kind of TV, at least in this article about mm-hmm. the study, like maybe there's just more like, like bias confirmation watching TV or more things that are likely to make you argumentative, like watching the news, um, well, they're talking about fiction, so I oh, assume you think it doesn't fiction television news, as well. But hmm. yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's a good point. Uh, Trike wrote that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, late of the Star Wars Han Solo movie, uh, are now being hired to direct the adaptation of Andy Weir's Artemis, which isn't even out yet. It's it comes out, out in November. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's got some time, but this takes place. Um, it's kind of it's in the same world, um, and it's about a girl who lives on Moon, which is the Moon 
obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And she's kind of, uh, her name's Jazz. And according to this article, she's a directionless 20-something constrained by her small town, the titular Artemis, the only city on moon. And something life-changing happens to her. This opportunity drops into her lap. Um, and she finds herself in the middle of this conspiracy for control of Artemis itself. And I just love that this book I mean, it hasn't even come out yet. And of course, you know, The Martian was Andy Weir's first big novel. It allowed him to 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 pursue writing full time. And so naturally, I guess there's a lot of buzz around this this next book that's coming out. Do but you remember that's intense? Do you remember meeting Andy in San Francisco and he was fresh faced and and blown over by the success of the book, yeah. The Martian, and was talking about there's even talks for movies. Mm-hmm. And now, look at him now. Look at him now. Go, is, Andy Weir, go. He's strapped on his jetpack and fly, flown. Fly, I was going to say flied away. He flied away. <laughs> he flied away. Um, he was super nice. That was, was. Uh, We did an interview with him and Daniel Suarez, if I remember correctly. That's right. We did a team interview. And there was a cat. I forgot about the cat. <laughs> How could you forget about I the cats? <laughs> well, it didn't say much. That cat meowed the whole no, it did. It meowed like the whole time. No, it didn't contribute much, I guess. Is what I meant. <laughs> didn't, didn't contribute much of substance. Yeah. Is what I think you're trying to say. Like um, pretty much, you know, yes or meow answers to everything. <laughs> oh, groan. Uh, well, here's another adaptation that's going to get people excited. Brendan says the teaser trailer for Annihilation starring Natalie Portman, Jason, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, Tuva Novotny, and Oscar Isaac is going to be in theaters uh, February 23rd of next year. How did, I mean, I know we talked about this coming out and being mm-hmm. adapted. And Benedict and I was, Wong's in it too, who I love. I, I know, this cast is crazy good. Crazy good. Uh, it it the trailer looks amazing. I was like, how are they going to do walking through that forest with all the weird stuff? They totally do it. I mean, it might look a little unicorn fairyland if I had any criticism, but mm-hmm. it works. I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. That's totally it. And the people covered with plants and just yeah. I I don't know. I'm like this. I'm, I'm still sitting here and I feel good about this question. I'm still sitting here like, how do you end this movie? I know. How do you, I, even though I've seen things with my own eyes that I know are in the book, I'm like, how are you going to show that? Yeah. How are you yeah, going to yeah. do that thing? I don't even, I read the book. We read the book. We talked about the book in I depth. I read the whole trilogy. And yet I'm still like, I don't really know what happened in that book. I don't know. Is the movie going to make it more clear to me? Maybe. <laughs> maybe not. I'm still largely confused by this uh, weird fiction. Um, and it's uh, it looks too scary for me, though, Tom. Oh, come I'm, on. You read the I book. Think, I know. I can read books. There's all suspense. Yeah, I don't like suspense. That's what I don't like. You like Sherlock Holmes. That's all suspense, That's too. That's not the same. Ooh, the Hounds of the Baskerville. The, the Hounds of the Baskerville was the scariest episode of Sherlock by far. I was really nervous watching Wait, I was that. talking about the books. The episode of The Hound, The oh, Hound, yeah, no. it's called The Hound, if I remember right. correctly, is was really kind of spooky. You don't remember that one? Oh, no, I remember it. I was talking about the book, though. Well, the book is kind of scary, too. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's not that right. scary. Um, I think you and I should go see this. Nope. 
It'll be I'm going to cry the whole time. I'm just going to cry. I'm just going to cry. How? Okay. First of all, why would you even compare it to Snakes on a Plane? Because why would we you went even to see it, Snakes on the Plane. We've seen you, other with, movies together. <laughs> yeah, but that was you were very scared to see Snakes on a Plane. I wasn't very. I was a little scared. Yeah, pretty scared. I was really scared. Um, yeah, I know. And this will obviously be much better than Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> Remember the uh, Snakes fact, on a Plane song? No. Ooh, with we really got it. Come on, baby. Ooh. So give me a sign. I don't know if I'll make it out oh, alive. Oh, gosh. So wow. give me a sign. That was Snakes on a Plane song? I, can see I recognize the, the song. In your eyes. Yeah. There's Snakes That's on a crazy. Plane. Hey, um, <laughs> I think this movie is going to be the next arrival. I think so, too. Um, I think so, too. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm excited so for the Vandermeers. Well done. Yay. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword. Which is our feedback from the audience. We got an email from Fiona who says, hello, Veronica. Hello, Tom. Hello, much Fiona. More, it was much more excited. She, you got an exclamation mark after your name. Well, your proper grammar would put a comma. She says, I'm on holiday with my family in Canada at the moment. As I was browsing the fantasy science fiction section of a bookstore in Prince George, B.C., I noticed Tom's book on one of the shelves. Here's a pick. Well done, Tom. It's Aww, Pilot X. Thank you, Fiona. It's Pilot this X. This still warms my heart every time people find my book in a bookstore and take a picture of it and send it to me because it's like, oh, now it's there. Now it's there. It's all over the place. Although... They shouldn't be on the shelf, right? I mean, I should Why? be happier to you, see them. If they were gone? Like, oh, they're all sold out again. If there was a big <laughs> sign that said, Pilex, hold out. Sorry, yeah. everybody. I'm going to get really sad when they start sending me pictures of like, hey, I saw your book on the on sale table. <laughs> in, the, in the budget bin. In the bin. clearance section. <laughs> in the dollar I, book bin. I saw it at half price books on their remainders table. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's deeply hurtful. Yeah. Deeply, um, deeply hurtful half price books. How could you even do that? I should go to a half price books and sell my book back to them and see what they give me for it. That'd be pretty funny. Um, why didn't we ever get, why didn't the Sword and Laser Anthology ever get in bookstores? Why do you because, get to be in bookstores? Because Inkshares does that. Inkshares goes and makes the Did we not do Inkshares? No, oh. we didn't. Inkshares wasn't even around when we did the anthology. Oh, yeah. All right. We should do, for the next one, we'll do I Inkshares. I would pay a buck 25 used if I were, if, if I were working at half price books right now. Someone brought this in. I'd be like, mm, for your fun. own book. Yeah. What if you signed it? Mm, does that make the value? Okay. Does that make the value go up or down at half price? Signed books? copies go up if they're uh, if the author is well known. What if somebody just signs the book? Yeah, it's not that the author. Help. Yeah, that doesn't do much. Okay. Uh, we got a post. Um, over here from Robert, who says he needs book club recommendations for modern, non-dystopian, upbeat sci-fi. He says, my girlfriend's book club has had a rough year. Uh, they're looking for a science fiction title and having already read The Handmaid's Tale, Oof. something much more upbeat for their next title. Modern, accessible, fun. I'm thinking something like a more accessible Ready Player One or Red Shirts or less dystopian, futuristic violence and fancy suits. Any suggestions? I mean, Becky Chambers leaps right to my mind. Is that not? Yeah, fun? people people did mention Becky Chambers. Okay, yeah, Ruth was I see. the first Ruth, to mention Ruth that. Mentioned that. Um, we also have a uh, a mention for let's see. Uh, Stephen said his novel, Traveling in Space, which he shares here. <laughs> good for you. Okay. Uh, Lena says Date Night on Union Station, which I'm not familiar with, but that sounds pretty cool. 
Oh, The Martian is a good one. Uh, Martian is a good one. The Martian is a good one. I recommended, um, um, what's the one I recommended? Uh, Year Zero, actually, because I thought by Rob Reed. Actually, after on Rob's new one, also, uh, it's it's got a background of of apocalypse, mm-hmm. but it's in the background, and the characters are all fun, and it's pretty light. And yeah. apocalypse. Hmm. I just really liked. Um, it's not oh, actually it's not John Nevitz also recommended Rob Reed's new book. Um, Fuzzy Nation is another good one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of this. A lot of fun stuff out there. I mean. Oh, this is great. This is a great uh, selection here. I think we all need some fun stuff once in a while for sure. Yeah. Do you think we're turning away from grimdark and and dark reboots? I no disrespect to the Expanse, which is one of my favorite things of all time. But I feel like maybe the real world is so grim now that we, we might be turning to yeah. more hopeful fiction again. Like we read um, The Last Hour of Gan for Vaginal Fantasy last month. And oh, yeah? What, what's it, that? It's it's kind of a dystopian science fiction okay. novel. Very long. Um, a lot of rape. A lot. So much rape. Ouch. Okay. And I yeah. was just so like, dark. Uh, and I was like, my brain just needed like a shower and like a spa day and like orange <laughs> juice and like, you no, know, maybe a mimosa and like all the, my brain just needed a vacation probably in like Kauai, like quiet time hammocks, quiet time, <laughs> Kauai time, quiet time. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Good pun, Tom. Um, Thanks. but it was, it was rough. And then we kind of had, you know, Caliconia Spring was not like dark, but it wasn't like fun either. No, it was not a fun romp. <laughs> it was, it was I wouldn't not say, lighthearted. I would call it a romp. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I, I'm looking something forward to something a little more fun myself. <laughs> um, but instead, <laughs> but instead, it's it's. I don't know yet. I feel like it might be kind of funny. We'll see. Uh, th- I bet. I bet there's a sense of humor to it. I agree. But uh, we are alluding to our uh, October book pick. Yes. So it's... we're not going to kick it off right now, but oh. we will announce it. Okay. Well, I mean. No, I, what, you're right. The kickoff the won't diff- be until like the. You know 10th. what? I feel like this kickoff, not kickoff, BS. Let's just kick it off. That we do is irrelevant. We're not going to spend a long time talking about it because yeah. we have to wrap up Heliconia Spring. But we're kicking it off, and we'll talk about it longer next time. Yeah, and yeah. next time it'll be the middle of the month Don't anyway. Don't label me. Don't put me in a box. <laughs> Stick me in a box. All right. So I picked. It was my pick this month, and uh, I waited till the last minute. I forgot it was my pick. That's really what happened. Was that I had read Heliconia Spring so long ago that I just in my mind, I was on a different planet by that point. I have no idea what was going on. And so Tom was like, I think actually Rob was like, yo, you got to pick. And I was like, no, no, no. And then Tom was like, no, seriously, we're recording tomorrow. You need to pick. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to ask Twitter. And so I went on Twitter and I was like, I need something that's kind of like spooky, scary. It's October. Like, let's do something kind of fun and, you know, a little horry maybe, but not too much because you guys know me. And so I got some great recommendations. I mean, some really, really great recommendations. And like, I added a lot of books to my to to be read list for sure. May I give them some context? Yeah, sure. Yesterday at seven twenty eight, <laughs> after you had gone on Twitter, I mm-hmm. think I had I had in Slack I had said yes uh, earlier that day you had said something, which led me to write the Twitter message later in the day. 
And Slack, but then I had said something about like, hey, it's your, what are you going to pick? And you said, I thought it was your pick. <laughs> then on text, I wrote, what book are you going to pick, huh? And in all caps, Veronica Rott, stop pressuring me. Me, five stop e's. pressuring me. And I wrote, huh, huh? I just want to know huh? if you needed huh? to bounce ideas. No pressure. Yeah, and I don't think I responded. No, you responded uh, later. about an hour later with The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter by Theodora Goss. And that's what we're reading. Would you like to read your book briefing? Uh, no. I want them to read the book briefing by becoming oh. patrons. <laughs> but I'll give you some highlights <laughs> okay, from it. Okay, give us the highlights, real. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I kid. Uh, if you're at the $5 an episode level, you get the book briefing, which includes like all my notes and links and everything. Tom uh, actually but- does research for this. So this is not like he's just rewriting the back cover of the book. It's like more thoughtful than that. Somewhat, somewhat more thoughtful. Uh, the upshot is Theodora Goss was born in Hungary. At age five, she moved to Brussels. And then she moved at age seven to the United States. She grew up in the D.C. area and went to the University of Virginia, where she got a B.A. in English literature, then got a law degree from Harvard, which you think, oh, so she's going to go into politics, right? She went to Washington. She got the Harvard thing. Then she's like, nah, I'm too smart for that. I'm going to get an M.A. and a Ph.D. in English literature from (sighs) Boston University. Then I'm going to start teaching literature and writing at Boston University and in the Stone Coast MFA program, because why would you want to teach in one program when you can teach in two? Because I'm brilliant. Uh, Then published multiple short story collections and poetry, won the 2008 World Fantasy Award for Singing of Mount Abora, won the 2004 Riesling Award for Best Long Poem. Because, I mean, why not be a poet when you've also got a law degree Mm -hmm. and you're uh, teaching writing? Uh, Her best long poem was Octavia is Lost in the Hall of Masks. She's been a finalist for the Nebula, the Locust, the Crawford, the Saiyan, the Mythopaeic, as well as on the Tip Tree Award honor list. And so this year she thought, I guess I'll just write a novel. Man, talk about making me feel inferior. Jeez. (laughs) No, she's amazing. What have I even Uh, done with my life? The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter is her first full-length novel. She's done a ton of short stories. And it was started while she was writing her doctoral dissertation on 19th century Gothic fiction. She kept running into these classics like Frankenstein, Rappuccini's Daughter, Island of Dr. Moreau, and realizing that if there was a female character, it was often pivotal to the story but didn't get much of a voice. Even Mm -hmm. Rappuccini's Daughter, where Beatrice is the daughter in the title and is in the entire story, it focuses on her lover, Giovanni, through the entire story. So she thought, well, what if I told a story from the give these women a voice uh, and I'll tell a monster story that centers around Mary Jekyll, uh, whose father, Henry, died 14 years ago. And she goes off in search of Henry Hyde, not saying whether she knows there's a relationship between those two, but she finds Henry Hyde's daughter, Diana. Well, that's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Then they team up with Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Uh, and eventually are joined by Catherine Moreau, Beatrice <laughs> Rappuccini, and Justine Frankenstein. So and awesome. And the adventures kick off. Uh, they, they try to investigate the secrets of their fathers, who were all alchemists. <sighs> That's awesome. And it really was, you know, I feel all of these these strong female characters are very alluring. But I won't lie, it was the uh, seeing that Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were going to be involved that sold me. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> no, I'm really, great. I just love Holmes so much. It was, it was a big selling point as well. But I love this. And like, there's so many great reviews uh, about this book from like authors we love. So I was like, wow, this is, seems like a winner to me for sure. Yeah. So that is our pick. Uh, the Strange Case of the Alchemist Daughter. It's new out, just came out in June. Uh, there is a sequel planned, uh, The Mad Scientist Daughter, for next year. Ooh. But it's not even out yet. So this is the only of Theodora Goss's books, uh, full-length novel books anyway, uh, that you can read at this point. That would be an amazing movie, I bet, also. I bet yeah. this would be a really cool adaptation. No, in too. a couple of the interviews that I read, she talks about you know, being in talks for movie options and she would mm, like to see mm-hmm. it turned into a movie. Well, we should do a fun casting maybe of all the characters. Yeah. We do that for vaginal fantasy. It'd be fun to do it for sword and laser for this I one. I like it. This is, this one lends itself to it really well. It sounds like totally. Well, I guess we should wrap up Heliconia spring by Brian W. Aldis. Um, we, we talked about this book a lot, so I don't think there's... Well, you finished it so much earlier. Yeah. So there's, there's not a much to say except that I've now finished it. Okay. Let's and hear your your opinions then. I'm a little disappointed. Okay. And it's not in any way disrespect to Brian W. Aldous, who's a master craftsman. His writing is fantastic. The story is strong. I It's my own expectations. Mm-hmm. I wanted this story to go further into the mystery of Earth and its observations mm-hmm. than it did. Uh, I mean, I liked that, that he kind of threw in this idea that, that people on Earth we're getting it on delay by thousands of years. Uh, and it had it turned into a big reality show. Yeah, like a Truman yeah. show kind of thing. Yeah. I really, really was into the story. And when it went from the founding of the city and the merging of the tribes and jumped forward to his grandson, I thought, Oh, this is going to be so much fun. We're going to see this huge span of time. Mm-hmm. And then it shortened up. It, it tightened up. We got we started getting generations. So we got, you know, Yuri and then we got little Yuri. Am I saying it was it Yuri? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Yuli, and, and Yuli, that, Yuli, Yuli, Yuli. And, and that's that's where the jump was cool. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, we, we followed him from the plains into the city and then back out. And I thought we were going to jump farther. So when we jumped to the grandson, I was like, OK, so we've jumped a little bit. This is great. Seeing their descendants. And I could I was couldn't wait for the next jump. And we never got another jump. Right. It was just like, oh, well, now he's old and his son is doing this. And it it shortened up. Not that we didn't get generations, but we didn't go more than two more generations after that. And and I felt like the spring came a little fast. Mm-hmm. And well, it took that, it took decades. It started warming up over decades. Yeah, but warming like this, I would think I think would happen. Longer? I mean, if if we had a thousand year winter, wouldn't the spring last at least a couple hundred years? Well, Tom, didn't you read all the science behind it? I mean, like he really thought this stuff out. No, I know he did. It just felt weird. It did seem like it came on very quickly, but I actually really liked the description of, okay, you know, now the permafrost is melting. And so all of this bacteria and and stuff in the soil is waking up at the same time. And it's having this butterfly flapped its wing effect on all the different you know organisms on the planet from the very small to the the very large and intelligent and all the ways that this this affects how they view the world and view their their quote unquote gods and and the fagors were really fascinating as a like cohabitant species mm-hmm. and they're kind of like 
sympathetic, you know, c- creatures that 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 are, you know, paras- parasitic, I guess, or maybe what well, symbiotic or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. these relationships were and how and I loved their little what were their little horses called? The ones that they started wearing their coats of. <laughs> I know. Oh, that was a little weird. I they was were like, like, oh, wait. these cute little animals that are totally trusting and ri- loving. I loved the story of them domesticating them and yeah. riding them because it was one of those wake up moments where I'm like, oh my God, they're inventing horses. I just realized. And like the whole like fashion craze that kicks yeah. off, like that happened really suddenly. Like they went from like pretty drab to being like, oh, we're going to have like these bright blue, like basically like zebra pelts that we're going to rock. And if you don't have them, you're like, a, you're like just a regular sneech. You're not a star-bellied sneech. You're not as cool. And, <laughs> and, and I liked the architecture change mm-hmm. and how it went from, from a little town into a big city, even though it was in the ruins of a big city to begin with. Right. And they're like, okay, so we have these, and this is a pretty common sci-fi trope where they're using and living within the confines of a previous civilization who had technology that they don't quite understand, but they like make use of like the hot water springs and the pipes and the telescopes and the glass and all these things that they're like, they understand like that they're there and that they can use them, but they don't know how to recreate them. And, you know, some people, the people at the academy find that very frustrating that like there is this obviously we were at a higher place, a higher level of civilization. And yet we can't we can't match it now. Yeah, I have to have to say I really, really enjoyed the uh, the kind of the rise of the academy and and the fact that it was it was sort of fought against, even though it benefited and how that is just kind of a facet of human behavior mm-hmm. uh, that we we love knowledge up to a point and then it gets annoying because the people who want to collect knowledge don't do other things and the, the, the idea of like well if you don't work you don't eat and they call it the like, patriarchy tom no i'm just kidding well it I'm was just, a patriarchy I'm t- I'm totally it was a patriarchy here but it doesn't have to be right it does it t- definitely doesn't have to be uh and and this idea of you don't work you I, where i was going with it is if you don't work you don't eat and the academy saying, "But we do work. <laughs> we well, we work do really work, hard. and also we're finding better ways of yeah. doing things, so we don't have to be doing this anymore." And that's a very common anti-intellectualism. Yeah, where it's like, "Well, you're not doing anything. You're just sitting there thinking," and 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 the developments of of the intellect are taken for granted as easy because they seem obvious after they're discovered. But the people who discover them would never have discovered them if they hadn't spent so much time working on them. I mean, we see this all the time in government where they're like, they wasted millions of dollars studying the the, the mating habits of this worm. And hmm. it sounds ridiculous, right? But then if you look into it, you find out like, oh, the reason they were doing that is because it was destroying crops. And because they spent millions of dollars to studying that worm and its mating habits, they were able to like save hundreds of acres of, of farmland. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it was it was cool to see. And I, I mean, there was some, you know, they were definitely starting to look up into the sky and look at the constellations and obviously recognizing that there was one kind of weirdly acting star up there that didn't yeah. quite follow all the other patterns of the other of the cosmos. That, of course, being the uh, the spaceship, the the space station uh, of the earthen people. Mm hmm. And that was a whole separate storyline that I'm sure we'll get to more of later, potentially in the series. Yeah. But, no, it does come mm-hmm. up in summer, uh, in Heliconia summer for sure. So, 
Yeah, I, I I didn't really need much more of that. I, that felt a little bit tacked on to me. Um, but I did I did like the idea of like, wow, they're like watching this like a reality show, which yeah. didn't really exist back then in Brian Aldis's days. <laughs> in Kids the same say way, the darndest things or I yeah, get, not but no, like I mean, this is like straight up like the Kardashians. Like they are like watching these people like they are. And not even really thinking, they're probably like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But it's happened like, you know, hundreds of thousands of years in the past. Do they get voiceovers? In the past. Do they get the confessional, though? See, yeah, how do they know what they, yeah, no, yeah. probably not. No. So overall, I mean, book felt overall, pretty divisive. Great. Yeah, very well it's written. A great story. A huge feat of world building and thoughtfulness. Uh, absolutely. Um I, I loved, I, I think I loved too the first half more than the second half, mm-hmm. but Me too. I, I was still, I was still excited to keep reading it. Yeah, I was, I was kept, ho- I, I kept hoping to get more until the end. And then I realized that was all I was going to get. And I was mm-hmm. okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had expectations. And so it's all on me. As so many things are, Tom. So many things. And the- you know, what's you know, what's on our listeners. What? Funding us. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's the only way that we fund the show. We don't do ads anymore. It's the only way. Because you all, you all did all of the 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 credits and, and got the free stuff. So, <laughs> so now we just uh, we just have a direct relationship, and I really like this because instead of having to trick you into spending money on something else that we would get a small cut of, you spend less money directly on the show, and we keep doing the show. Works yeah. out for everybody. And if you want to help support us, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sword and laser. And we've got some new patrons, huh, Tom? Yeah, you should you should welcome them. All right. We have uh Engelin, Nace, Angelin, Nace. Oh, I'm so sorry. They're gonna take away go their Ness, money. Because it's Ness. the AE, it's the combined, the squishy AE. I can't remember what that's uh, called. And yeah. Theo Karner. And Boyang Chen. So you all have had the honor now of Veronica pronouncing your names. Are trying to so hard with every fiber of my being. I am trying to say your name correctly. I'm so sorry. Please you can also don't rescind the- don't rescind your your payment. I'm so sorry. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Uh, find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites. I look at it now as the Sword and Laser Bookshop. Like mm-hmm. if you just want to browse the shelves of Sword and Laser land, go to swordandlaser.com slash picks. That's right. Joyce, I know I owe you a book. I'm sorry. I swear I will get it out this week. I, dude, I'm sorry. It's been a busy week. Your book will come for sure. Joyce is the only one who asks for books from Lem's library for the most part these days. Um, but we've got a lot of books. We got a lot of new stuff oh too. Gosh, so if you're yeah. interested in checking out that Patreon level, it's it's pretty good. And I, we're usually great about getting them out right after people ask for them. I'm just a terrible person this month, apparently. Uh, you can send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. Tom's just shaking his head, shaking his head silently person. at me. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser, and you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. We will see you next time. Adios. Adios. Cast 
podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.